This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. I want to talk about living a life or Then you want to go to Ephesians 2. Verse 5 and verse 6. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places with in Christ. Jesus. Lord, we want to thank you this morning for your word. and I pray that revelation knowledge flow in every heart today. Lord, teach us what it means to be resurrected with you. Help us to realize and to recognize the newness of life that we have in you today. And I pray the truth, what you've done for us, would just work and move in every heart today. We, hey, we say, Holy Spirit, come and reveal your word to every heart, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. How many have ever found some things, have you heard this, too good to be true? Have you heard that? Now, most of the time, that's usually true. Too good to be true. I remember many years ago, was a, they did a survey on the street, and they, and they just stopped me, and they said to me, uh, where do you like to go for holidays? So I told them, and then they said, uh, uh, they were just asking different questions, so they are just ticking off the boxes, or ticking off the boxes. And I didn't think any more about it. Three weeks later... I got a letter saying, congratulations, you have won a holiday. <laughs> My mind was thinking, this is too good to be true. I really felt that. And I thought to myself, part of me thought, well, perhaps it isn't too good to be true. And so the idea is you have to go to this place, and you can see what's going to happen, can't you? I was a lot of years ago, so I was quite naive, where you gain your holiday, you pick up your holiday. You go to, you go to this place and you pick up your holiday. Part of me was thinking, this is too good to be true. And the other part of me thinking, well, perhaps, perhaps I've been blessed. Perhaps there's some blessing here. And so stupidly, I went to collect my prize. And all I did for two hours, I was, tried to, I tried, I was sold a timeshare for about two hours. How many of you had that experience? And it was too good to be true. How many of you had that experience? Too good to be true. And usually, majority of the time, that is true. It is too good to be true. Incidentally, the guy kind of regretted a little bit because he asked me what I did. So I preached the gospel to him for 30 minutes and he couldn't get anywhere. He was stuck. <laughs> so I made him pay for what he did anyway. Uh, but you know, often we, we, we come to verses in the Bible and sometimes they almost seem too good to be true. I think sometimes we, have, we, have, we, we see the theology of it, but often we don't, see, we don't live in the experience of what we read in the Bible. 
Because it often seems too good to be true. Here we're told that we've been raised with Christ. And I believe this isn't just some nice theological thought, but actually we're meant to experience it. We're meant to live our lives in the power of the resurrected life of Christ. Is that right? This is what it's We've been seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We've been raised to newness of life. And we've got to allow the reality of that to be something that we experience and encounter and we live out on our day-to-day lives. You think of, uh, of the, awful, the awesomeness of this. That we are called to identify with Jesus' death and resurrection life. As he died, we died with him. When he rose to newness of life, we rose also with him. Isn't that powerful? We rose with him. Jesus was crucified. On the third day, he rose again. And he ascended to the right hand of God the Father. I've read that story. It's a beautiful story when Jesus has just rose from the dead. And Mary, we are told, sees Jesus. And she think, well, first of all, she thinks he's the gardener. Remember that story? And she goes to, the Bible says she goes to grasp him, touch him. And Jesus says, don't touch me. And here's his word, because I've not yet ascended to the Father. Remember that? Often a challenging story. What is that all about? Ever thought about this? That the Holy Spirit was given to make you like Jesus. Is that right? To transform you and make you like Jesus. But here's the point. The Jesus that we are transformed into is not the Jesus before the resurrection. The Jesus that we're transformed into is the Jesus who's ascended and lives in glory. And that's why Jesus says, I've not yet ascended to the Father. Because the Holy Spirit has not yet been given. And you, at this point in time, cannot be transformed to the victorious, risen, glorified Christ. That's really what we're here. That's really what, 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 what we, the life we've been brought into. To live in the power of the glorified, resurrected life of Jesus. How many would say sometimes that seems too good to be true? But the wonderful thing is, it is true. How many put their clocks forward today? How many remember to do it? Do you all remember to do it? The good thing about modern technology is it does it automatically, is that right? Now, if you had a Rolex (laughs) Caribbean watch... A Cambodian watch, I mean. It, does, it, it doesn't actually do it automatically, but I'd like you to think it does. But the point is, it's often, if you don't put it forward, you live, or back, sorry, you go back, don't you? If you don't put it back, then you miss out. Ever turned up to church and you're the only one here? Have you ever done that? Put your hands up. I did it the first church I was in, my first, one of my first Sundays there. I turned up and nobody was there. I thought, surely my sermon wasn't that bad until I realised what had happened. I was living in a different time zone. And often we can live in a, a different time zone, spiritual time zone. You know what the Bible speaks of? When it, when it speaks of your past life, when it speaks of sin, you always find the Bible says that's what you were once like. It's always referred to in past tense. Time and time again you find that, time and time again. 
that your old nature, your old life, your old sin nature, whenever it's spoken to in the New Testament, it's always spoken of something of a of past tense, something that's happened, something that's finished and done with. When you come to the resurrected life of Christ, it's always something that is in present tense, right here and now. Right here and now. Now, I know there will be a resurrection in the future. Isn't that wonderful? But I'm talking about living a resurrected life here and now, through the power of Christ. And here's the problem. Sometimes we're living in past tense. We're living as though it's something of the... That our past life is now. And we live under the power of, of the past where the Bible says we're to live right now in a new spiritual dimension. Let me give you an example. Colossians 2. Colossians 2 and verse 12. Colossians 2, verse 12. You were buried with him in baptism. You were also raised with him through faith in his working of God. And you were raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses, past tense, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive present tense, together with him, having been forgiven of all your past trespasses. It's so important that we live in the reality, in the present tense of what God has done for us. How do we get a hold of that? I remember Amy once, we, when we saw her in Australia, we, we, suddenly re, we actually went from one part of Australia to another part of Australia. Now, when you do that in the UK, you don't really cross any time zones. In Australia, you do, and we didn't know it. My case, my suitcase has totally fallen apart, and I've got to get a new suitcase. And we suddenly arrive in this part of Australia, it's about, I don't know, about half past four, and we've got to get to the, to the shopping mall, it closes at 5.30. We get there at about 20 past five, and I'm thinking to myself, 20 past five years, everybody's trying to, trying to close down. And as if nobody had ever even thought about it. Everyone seems as if it wasn't closing down. And so we were rushing around, because we knew it was going to close down in 10 minutes, trying to get some rushing around this. Running. And I suddenly, and this is half past five, and everything's still open. So I say to this, I says, how come, I thought it closed half past five. She said, no. Yeah, yes, it does. But we were in a, we hadn't realised we'd crossed a different time zone. And over there where we were now, it was half past three, not half past five as we thought it was. Because we didn't adjust to the time zone. And I think a lot of us are still living as if our past, the, our, our sinful nature, the things that rule us and control us is present tense. And if you live that way, it will rule you, it will control you. Until you come to a point and say, you know what, that is my past. That has been done away with. That has finished once and for all. My old nature, the old person that I was, is finished, dead, finished, out of the way. Because it's past tense. I'm living in a new spiritual time zone. Can you say amen? And it's a zone of newness of life, of the power of the resurrected life of Christ. I'm not living under the power of my old nature, my old mistakes, my old failure, my own sins. I'm living in the power of the resurrected life of Christ. Can you say amen? That's my present tense spiritual reality. That's the time zone that God has called me to live in. Amen. Now, I think there are amazing benefits 
Because I, what I'm talking about, as I talk about the ascended, resurrected life, I think there's incredible benefits from living in the power of the resurrected life. Think of these, some of these benefits. There's the first one. Righteousness. Romans 5, verse 17. Living in the resurrected power of the ascended life of Christ means we live in righteousness. Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's defence death reign, how much more those who receive abundance of grace and the act of and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Christ Jesus. Do you realise this morning that you and I were called to reign? We were called to reign in life and have authority in life. Here's our problem. The truth is, our circumstances rule over us. Situations rule over us. Feelings rule over us. And the Bible says that we have been called to reign and to rule. Can you say amen? We've been given the ability to reign. But here's the point. You can only live a life that is reigning and living in victory by knowing and realising that you have received the gift of righteousness. And it's two, really, two ways of righteousness, two types of righteousness. There is imputed righteousness and imparted righteousness. Let me say that again. Two, two, two types of righteousness that we've received. Imputed and imparted. Imputed righteousness means that when God looks at us, isn't it incredible he looks at Jesus? He doesn't look at us as we, were, as we was. He looks at us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? That's what justification means. That when God looks at you, it's as if you've never sinned. Because it's been covered by the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice for you. So in a sense, that's what's been imputed. But you know what? That isn't just in itself good enough because God doesn't want to just cover over things. Because the second thing means it's imputed. That God imputes to us, God gives to us, the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's imparted to us. And that's what transforms your life when you realise that you've received the gift of righteousness. It's been imparted to you. You don't have to live under the power of your old sinful nature, but you've received the gift. You've had imparted to you the very righteous life of Jesus Christ. Now, when you realise that, you tend to live a righteous life. If you don't really believe it, then you're going to struggle all the time. When you realise it's been imputed. I have been imputed with the righteousness of Christ. We don't realise we're righteous. not what we're going to live with. We're going to live our lives under a sense of inferiority. We're going to feel inferior all the time. We're going to feel full of shame all the time. We're going to feel full of, of unworthiness. Every time we come before God, we'll feel a sense of shame and unworthiness, inferiority. People will be ruled and controlled by a sense of inferiority. But when you know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it gives you what? Boldness. You come into God's presence without a sense of shame, without a sense of inferiority, 
without a sense of unworthiness. Because you realize what Christ has accomplished for you and you know that that gives you boldness, that gives you access to God's presence. Without that, you'll always live under condemnation, guilt, accusation. And you'll never, be, you'll never really live in freedom and never really live a life that's, that's, that's living with that's powerful and effective. Because all the time there's this condemnation and this guilt and this accusation over your life. You've never realized that you have been imparted and imputed the gift of righteousness. Can you say amen? That's resurrection life. Living in the power of right standing with God. How many know that? There's a second thing. I like this one. The other result of living in the resurrection life is living in fullness. Colossians 2. What an awesome verse this is. I don't think we've fully grasped the, the depth of this. But in Colossians 2, 9 to 10. Listen to what it says. Still with me. For in him dwells all the fullness of of the Godhead bodily. How amazing is that? That in the body of Jesus, and this is something that really in our minds we can't comprehend, but in the body of Jesus, the very fullness of deity dwelt in him. Bible tells me that, that Jesus holds everything together by the very word of his power. If you were to go into a, a spaceship and you were to travel for many, many years at the speed of light, whatever you reached, Jesus would still hold that all together by the word of his power. Every atom, every nucleus is held together by the word of his power. In him all the fullness of deity, the fullness of God dwells in him. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? And here's the incredible thing. But Jesus never died just for us to receive forgiveness. That's only half a gospel. He died so that you might be forgiven and that you might receive all the fullness of God in your life. Amen. All the fullness of God. He died so that you would be a recipient of the fullness of God. Let me show you one amazing verse. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. I just love this. This is Paul's prayer for the church. And he's speaking about, really, about you and I encountering the love of God. That that, that, that our lives, we have an encounter. It's not just something that we know in our heads, but we have an incredible God encounter with the love of God. We encounter his love. We experience his love. And there is a result of experiencing the love of God, Paul says, in verse 19. He says that you would know the love of Christ, and that word know there means to be intimately acquainted. He said, I pray that you'll be intimately acquainted, you would experience the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Why? So that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. But every time I encounter and experience something of the love of God, I receive something of the presence of God. 
Every time that love of God impacts my heart and touches my heart, there's something of God's presence that fills me. Amen? And God desires for us to live in the fullness of God. As we personally identify and believe with the death, the burial, the resurrection of the man Christ Jesus, we encounter the love of God, and out of the encounter of the love of God, we begin to experience the fullness of God. Why are we given, why do we receive the fullness of God? So we might manifest the very life of Jesus. We're filled to fullness so that we might relay, that we might manifest in our day-to-day lives the life of Jesus. We might reveal it, we might manifest. We're filled with fullness to manifest this fullness out of us. Gospel of John says these amazing words. And out of his fullness have you received grace upon grace. Out of his fullness, I have been a recipient of his life and I receive it. So I might manifest and demonstrate the resurrected life with Jesus. And I think God's looking for a people that will so cooperate with the fullness of his presence so he can manifest himself through us. Can you say amen? So hey, that's wonderful. But through the resurrected life I receive righteousness, I receive fullness. The third thing is I receive power. Look at this verse. This is kind of mind-boggling. 2 Peter 2 Peter chapter 1. Think about the power of this verse. Remember, this almost is too good to be true. Listen to what it says. As his divine power has been given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who's called you, has called us by glory and virtue. And we've been given exceedingly great and precious promises. And through these, you see this, that we might be a partaker of his divine nature. Having escaped the corruption, past tense, that is in the world through loss. Wow. Isn't that amazing? You've received. You've been a partaker, a recipient of his divine nature, of God himself. The Bible says we're temples of the Holy Spirit. God dwells and lives in us. Can you say amen? They're awesome. In other words, everything you need to live this Christian life, everything you need to live a godly life and to live a life of victory, to live a life of, 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 of transformation, a life of power, it's been made available to you. Can you say amen? It's there. It's been given to you. There's what you to see. The Bible says that we come into this through the knowledge of him. That's powerful. Through the knowledge. That word knowledge means to be intimately acquainted with. Paul says that I might what? Know him. That I might be intimately acquainted with him. That I might know him and the power of resurrection. So here's the point. Knowing him causes me to come into power of resurrection. What am I saying? What I see in him begins to be revealed out of me. What I see in him becomes true of me. 
You see, if I see in Jesus, if I want compassion, when I see Jesus is the friend of sinners and I see him as compassionate, when I see him in his compassion, what is true in him becomes true in me. When I see him as a deliverer, that what I see in him becomes true in me because it's the knowledge of him. When I see him in victory, then that becomes true in me. When I see him full of joy, then that becomes true in me. Whatever I see in him becomes true in me. If I don't see it in him, then I never really encounter it. I never experience it. It's only what I see in him becomes true in me. How many can see that? Through the knowledge of him. How many want to be like Jesus? And as I become intimately acquainted with him, what I see in him becomes true. You know, I think the big problem years ago, people struggled with this idea of joy. You know why that was? Because I never really saw that Jesus was a God of joy. When you see him as a God of joy, then you realise that's going to be true of you. When you see him as a God of peace, when you see him as a God of, 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 of all the things that you see in Jesus, he becomes true of you. How many love that? It says in 1 John 3.20, When he is revealed, we shall be like him. I don't think that is just referring to something in the future, although that is true. I think it's true now. When I see him as he is, I become like him. What I see in him, what I recognize in him, I become like that myself. Isn't that wonderful? So here's the point. How many want righteousness? Power. Here's the question. Because it's all there and we all recognize the reality. But how do we access it? How do we experience it? How do we encounter it? I think a few things that the Bible teaches how we can encounter this resurrection life. Here's the first thing. Romans 6.11. Reckoning. Romans 6.11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves indeed to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That word reckon is a, it's, it's a, really, it's a term for accountants. How many accountants do we have here? It's an accountant term. It's, it, it's something that is actually a mathematical term. It's an accountant term. It actually means, actually, to put on somebody else's tab. Many years ago, when I was young, <laughs> that's going back a few years, I just remember, we used to have a greengrocer's near we lived, and, he's, and he was called Paddy. Okay, his name was Paddy, and he was Welsh. No, he wasn't, he was Irish. He was called, called Paddy. Uh, and and wh- when you used to go to Paddy, you'd say, can I, have a, I know, can I have a cucumber or some tomatoes? You'd say to him, Paddy, can you put it on my tab? I don't remember that. Now, you can't go today to Waitrose and say, by the way, uh, can you put it on my tab? <laughs> But in these days, in this group, you could say, can you please put it on my tab? And he'd just write your name and he'd put it on your tab. I loved it. It was amazing. Uh, it was on my mum and dad's tab. That was the problem. But he put it on your tab. And almost what we're saying here is that Jesus is saying that we put it on his tab. You see, it's like having a million pounds in the bank and starving. Because even though you're in the bank, you can't access it. You can't get to it. Because, we've re- we, because we only receive it 
Because what is promised is on the tab of Jesus. God has said it's a settled thing, it's a done thing. And we need confidence. We need to realise it's been put on the tab of Jesus. How do you do that? Remember I said it's an arithmetic term. Reckon yourself. It's a mathematical reality. As one and one is two, is that right, yeah? As one and one is two, so you, in the, as that is a fact, the fact is you have died to sin. That's a fact. You may not experience it, you may not live in the reality, but nevertheless, it's still a fact. You have died in Christ. And here's the way to get old. When you recognise that, you realise, you know what? That habit I've been struggling with, I recognise I've died to it. That temper that I can't seem to deal with, I recognise I've died to it. That moodiness, that I know really I shouldn't have that kind of attitude, but I recognise I've died to it. As you begin to see all these areas of your old life, and you begin to say, I recognise, no matter what my experience tells me, what my feelings tell me, the Bible tells me I've died to it. And when you really believe it, and really accept it, you begin to, to live in the experience of it. But it first comes by believing it by faith. I've died to that. That thing really hasn't got power over me. I've died to it. Those accusations of my past, it's dead, gone, finished. Isn't that wonderful? I don't have to live under the power of my past anymore because it's dead, it's finished, it's done with. Isn't that what baptism's all about, really? It's about your old life as finished and done with and you then rise up into the newness of life that is yours in Christ Jesus. When the enemy tries to tempt you, just begin to recognize, you know what? I've died to that. I don't have to live under its power anymore. And the devil lies to us by telling us it's still alive. Recognize, reckon yourself dead to sin. And when you do, you begin to come into the fullness of his resurrected power. Dead to sin, alive to Christ. There's the next thing very quickly. Revelation, Colossians 3, verse 1. I like this one. You access it by resurrection life. He says, If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the fact that your life is hidden, that you are dead to your old life and stop acting like you are not. So set your mind to things that are above. You know what? Really, that's where you live. That's where you live. That's where your home is. Above, really. Set your mind on things that are above. I want you to get a hold of this truth. Because if we're to access this resurrection life, it's all about what you set your mind on. Because what you set your mind on will rule you. Jesus told us to pray, didn't he? And the prayer was, let your kingdom come. Is that right? He's saying, let the culture, let the atmosphere, let what is true heaven 
be manifested here on earth. Let your kingdom come. And what we're doing, we set our minds on where he rules and reigns. When you get a hold of this? What you set your mind on and your attention on and your affections on, that's what your kingdom is. If you set your mind on the things of your past, that's where your kingdom is. That's what rules you. That's what directs your life. That is what controls your life. If you set your mind on past regrets and you live full of regret, that is what empowers you. That's what controls you. That's what rules your life. If you set your mind on on disappointments, where you've been disappointed in life, and, and all you think about is your disappointments and your failures, that's your kingdom. That's what rules you. That's what controls you because that's what your mind is set upon and that is what rules and directs and controls your life. Because what you set your mind on controls you and rules you. What happens when we set our minds on things above? That is what is going to rule us. That's what's going to control us. That's what's going to direct every part of our life. Set your mind on things above. You know one of the things I've done? I've been recently studying the throne of God. I love studying the throne of God. It's amazing. Revelation 4 and 5. And the awesomeness. Someone calls it the beauty of God. And all those things that are around the throne of God are there because they've got something to say to us. You know what the centre of that throne is? The centre, the very centre of all that's going on in the throne room. You know where it is? It's the Lamb of God on the throne. In other words, I set my mind on the Lamb. Not the Lamb of the cross necessarily, but the Lamb who's risen and victorious. I begin to set my mind on His victory and realise that everything I'm facing in life, He has already faced it and defeated it. And I'm setting my mind on the victorious Jesus, that whatever I face, I confront it by realising what I'm facing right here and now, Jesus has already faced it and he's already defeated it, whatever that is. I just need to get the revelation of it. He's the lamb and he's on the throne because he's ruling and reigning. It's a picture of his victory. It's a picture of him, of, of him defeating every single enemy. And the Bible says he defeated every enemy and he put it under the feet of his people, of his church, of his redeemed people. Isn't that wonderful? I just got to realise it. I just got to recognise it. I just got to set my mind on that. For he is victory over everything in life. Can you say amen to that? There's the next thing, very quickly. The third thing is this, Romans 5, Romans 6, 13. I'll finish with this one. A lot more I can say, let me just finish with this one. Romans 6, verse 13. And do not present your members as instruments as unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Isn't that awesome? Presenting ourselves to God, you know what it means? There's a recognition that I am already here. That's what it means to present yourself. You recognize that you belong to God. Now, look pretty cosy here. See that little pocket there? That's, that's a man's, that's, my, that's the men's, that's my men's pocket there. There I put all my money. <laughs> John's money is there in that little pocket. That's where it's, it's got a man, it's got, it's got, how many have got men's pocket? Have you, 
You got, Tim's got them. I knew he'd have one. And we got, you, got, you got men's pocket where you, where you put your money. That's your money. And with that money, you can buy whatever is your heart's desire to buy. I'm watching it, but there you go. You can use it. You know what? If you give me £10, I can't buy with what I want, but your £10. I can't go on a tennis fest with your £10. Because that's your £10, that belongs to you. But if it's my £10, it belongs to me. Is that right? And actually, this is what it means. That I belong to God. I present myself, recognising that I don't belong to myself, I belong to him. My time, my money, my talents, they're the Lord's. And almost it's having a strong sense that we belong to another. We're presenting ourselves to God by saying, God, I recognize that I am fully yours. I belong fully to you. And at right that point, it's only then that God can really work through us and move through us. I love what Watchman Nee said. He said this. Powerful when I read it. He says, I must have the sense of God's possession of me before I can have a sense of his presence with me. Isn't that powerful? I've got to have that sense that I belong to God, that I am totally God's possession. And when I realize that, when I have a sense of that, I then begin to sense his presence. Maybe one of the great hindrances to a resurrected life is because maybe we've never fully come to that point. Where we said, Lord, I fully recognize I'm yours. Those attitudes, everything in my life belongs to you. It's not for me, it's for you. And I think at that point, that resurrection life is manifest. Until the Lordship of Christ is a settled thing in our heart, I don't think the Spirit can effectively work in and through us. And I think there comes a point. We want to know real, true, powerful, resurrected life, and we want to know that. Then it comes when we present ourselves to God. And as I present myself in God, everything I am, everything I am, when I recognize it, there's a realization, there's a recognition in my heart. I'm not trying to hold on to everything all the time and, and be unwilling to, to yield things and give things to him and holding, you know, doing my way, my thing, my thing. Just keep holding on to it. It's a hindrance, it's a barrier. So we say, God, I yield to you. The Bible says, present yourself to God, which is your spiritual sacrifice. How do you get in the will of God? Have you thought about that? How do I know if I'm in the will of God? Be in the will of God right here and now. If I'm in the will of God right here and now, then I'm in the will of God continually. How do I get in the will of God? By presenting myself, that I would know what is the acceptable and perfect will of God. And it's in the will of God that his resurrected power is released and manifested in the heart of a believer that says, God, I present myself fully, unreservingly to you. How many think that's the key? How many want to say, God, today, I want you. How many want resurrection life? We don't want to live defeated and full of depression and, 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 and defeat. We want to live in the power of the resurrected life. Amen? 
is available to every single believer. Can you say amen? Let's just bow our heads and just come before him right now in these moments. I just want you just in these few moments right now. Oh, living an ascended life. It's available to every single person, every single believer. He's made it available to you. Isn't that awesome? We just have to access it. And receive it. And live it out in our day-to-day experiences of life. Just open your heart right now. Say, Lord, in these moments, I just present myself fully to you. Therefore, brethren, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Yield, present yourselves to God as living sacrifices. I know right now there's decisions that you need to make. Is that under the Lordship of Christ right now? The way your life is going, is it under the Lordship of Christ? It's just bringing everything under his Lordship. And God responds in amazing ways when you do that. Resurrection life is released. Just open your heart right now. Pray this prayer after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me this morning. And I, in a fresh way today, present myself to you. All that I am and all that I have, I give to you. My time, my talents, my abilities, my gifts, my resources, everything right now, I yield to you unreservedly. I present myself to you as an instrument of righteousness. And right now, Lord, I count myself as dead to sin. I count myself dead to the old life and the old nature and the old way of doing things, the old way of life. I count myself dead to all that junk and all that stuff right now. I receive, Lord, I'm dead to it. And right now, Lord, I thank you right now for newness of life. And I respond. I live right now in the newness and the power of the resurrected life and the victorious life of Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceelam.co.uk.